You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Sergeant and Mrs. Smith, you're going to love this house. Is that a tub in the kitchen? There's no field manual for finding the right home. But when you do, USAA Homeowners Insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness is built to take you further off the beaten path. It has 9.5 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus off-road wheels, rugged all-terrain tires, and advanced dual-function X-Mode to help get you through deep snow, gravel, and mud. The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness. Adventure elevated. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media application for your smart device or now even on your desktop. I've been using Go Wild for a while, and here's what I want you to know. What it is, it's a social media application. It's like Facebook, like Instagram, like any of those things. But the whole purpose behind Go Wild is to promote outdoor content. You can go on here. You can see exactly what you want to see, whatever um, type of content you want to see, whether that be fishing, hunting, whitetail hunting, bear hunting, um, turkey hunting, just anything like that. You have so many endless options that you can check out and you can subscribe to each one of those things. And that's what you see. It's really cool, especially now in a day where social media has uh, really completely gotten out of hand. Um, every time I log into Facebook, Instagram, or anything like that, all I'm seeing is negativity. Well, with Go Wild, you're going to see a bunch of positive people that love the outdoors as much as you and I do. So go and check out Go Wild on your smartphone or even on your desktop. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And on today's show, we talk cheap out-of-state hunts. So these are... Uh, Jeff actually kind of identified a couple that are cheap and, you know, relatively close to Ohio to where you're not getting on a plane, having to deal with flying with firearms and that kind of thing. You know, you can get in your car and drive there relatively easily. So that's what we talk about today. One thing I want to mention, if you're a new listener or you've joined us relatively recently, go check out our website, ohiohuntsman.com. If you're interested in some Ohio Huntsman apparel, you can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash apparel. And we have t-shirts, hoodies, um, decals. So we've got a, a couple cool decal designs. So check all that out. And the other thing I want to mention before we get into the episode is our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. Mastin's is a deer scent company. And they collect everything on stainless steel and they are a certified CWD free facility. So since they've, I know that's kind of a, a hot topic here recently. We keep hearing in the news that, uh, you know, another deer farm or something. Uh, but Mastin's sort of prides themselves on being very careful and very diligent about remaining CWD free. So you can rest assured that the scent is CWD free and the facility is 
probably more importantly, the facility is CWD free. So if you're interested in deer scent, if that's something there that you use and you want to make sure it's a CWD facility where you're getting it from, check out Mastin's, mastinsdeersense.com or ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. And with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so today it's just Jeff and I. And Jeff, I don't know if you had a chance to read our, our group message, but it's, uh, what is it, June 10th today, and there's high wind warnings, there's there's thunderstorms rolling in this, this evening, I guess. But, you know, with all, everybody's, we're still working from home, sitting there, and I, I heard this noise, and I, I'm like, that was kind of a weird sound, but I never went to investigate until at the end of sort of my work day before I came down here to record a podcast, I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go walk out to the mailbox, whatever, just get some air before I go back downstairs. And I'm, st- I, I actually got a, some, whatever, one of Ella's snacks out of the pantry and I'm standing there on the front porch, just, you know, soaking up some sunshine. And this, uh, car comes back barreling down the road and he slams on the brakes and locks them up and I thought that was weird and he sits there for a second he backs up turns around in my driveway heads the other way stops in the road again I thought boy this is really weird and then he heads on down the road another car comes turns around in my driveway I'm thinking did everybody forget something and they need to just so happen to turn around in my driveway or something. Well, I, you know, like I said, I was going to go get the mail. I get down to the end of the road mm-hmm. and it, my neighbor's tree uh, in the, like their, their front yard tree in their front yard, the whole top of this tree is broken out and is laying across the road. I can't see it from my front porch because I've got pine trees that line the road. You know, those pine trees, they line the road. Uh-huh. So, you know, you can kind of see through the pine trees a little bit, but you can't tell that, you know, nothing looks out of the ordinary looking out of my front porch. But yeah, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a huge tree across the road and uh, everybody's having to turn around in my driveway. Hmm. Yeah, and I know it's real windy. Yeah. And I told a man, I came in and I told her because she didn't know about it. And I, I, it's just like, Man, it's scary. Like that guy, I mean, you can see this. It's not like it's just over a hill or anything. You can see this tree coming down the road. I mean, like, you can see it. But this guy, I I don't know, not paying attention, locks him up in front of the house. It's like, man, scary stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know, wasn't familiar with the road and thought, Maybe it turned or something. Maybe. You know, so it it didn't catch him off guard that there was, you know, a tree 
right in front of him. Yeah. I don't know. And I guess, I don't know. If you're looking out ahead of you, you can see it. But there, I guess there is a little bit of a rise in the road right there that, that maybe, you know, it would... I mean, it's not going to hide the entire tree, but you might not, you might not see it, or I don't know. But anywho, I called the township, and they, because I mean, it's way bigger than anything. You know, you're not going to drag it off by hand. It's, it's a tree. Uh-huh. Su- surprisingly, the tree was because the power line runs down my side of the road. The tree was on the opposite side of the road. Surprisingly, the tree was short enough to miss my power line or our, you know, the power line that runs down the road and it broke off high enough to, cause they've got a, a wooden fence that runs the, you know, like a, uh, it's not a picket fence, but it, you know, it's got three horizontal boards mm-hmm. like that kind of fence, you know, it broke off high enough to where it fell across the fence without damaging their fence. So, I mean, other than the tree being broke, it did like zero damage. Thankfully. That's interesting. Yeah. So, but unless you have any other interesting stories, that's not what uh, what we're here to talk about. No, so, I don't think I have anything interesting. Okay. So, what we were going to talk about was, um, and we, you and I, kind of debated a little bit. You know, is it is it maybe not so much dream hunts, but but hunts that you can go on you know, out of state hunts that you can go on that are actually surprisingly cheap would that be a good way to describe it yeah yeah i would say yeah that's probably a great way to describe it is out of state hunts that you can go on that really aren't going to break break the bank right and this is you know not intended to be an all inclusive list so if you all the listeners have other hunts like this that you are aware of, you know, let us know and we can uh, share the knowledge if, unless of course you want to keep it to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or if you enjoy this kind of content, you know, we can definitely share when we come up with more ideas. Yeah. 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 So you looked into a few of these, where do you want to start? I think the one I'm going to start with is the one that, I more of kind of want to keep a secret because if a lot of people find out about this, you know, I think the opportunity could go away because it seems like it's, you know, a really good opportunity and surprisingly affordable. Okay. So we'll, we'll keep this one between you and I and, and all of our listeners, but, but no farther. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But yeah, the first opportunity you know, I have stumbled across over the years. I haven't had an opportunity to do this, and I haven't heard of anyone else doing this. Is uh, you can actually hunt Sika deer in Maryland. Okay. Uh, out on, I think Maryland Marylanders call it the the east coast of Maryland. Uh, out on the peninsula, uh, kind of where Delaware, Maryland, and uh, I think Virginia kind of all come together there um, by Ocean City, Maryland, you know, that peninsula. Okay. Uh, there's an introduced population of Sika deer. 
So that were, yeah. Meat Eater did an episode. They did a hunt up there in like the new, I don't know if it was Maryland, but in that like New England region. They didn't talk about like uh, prices or, you know, how, uh, you know, affordable or approachable this is, but they, they, uh, that's how I knew about it is they did a, they did an episode up there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it's in that, uh, that area. It's mostly, you know, marshes and wetland in that area. And there's this introduced population of Sika deer, which are an Asian deer species in the elk family. Uh, I think they originate from Japan. And they were introduced uh, back in the 1920s as a game species by I, I believe they weren't formally introduced by like any you know, Department of Wildlife or anything like that. I believe they were introduced by, like, game clubs um, as something to hunt. And the population has taken off and managed to be a self-sustaining wild population. And the Maryland Game Commission has actually done some studies on these deer because... At one point, they were basically considering eradicating them because they're this non-native species that could be out-competing native whitetail species. But what oh, they found okay. was that they basically in, inhabit two different environments. You know, the wetland habitat that the Sika deer like really isn't conducive to white-tailed deer. The, the white-tailed deer don't really like to use this habitat that the Sika deer like, and the Sika deer don't really travel out of this wetland habitat um, because it's not their preferred habitat. Right, okay. So uh, Maryland has kind of embraced this introduced species that has, you know, kind of become a part of their game landscape. Okay. So is there public land to hunt in that area, or how do you access it? Yeah, so that's what makes this hunt very approachable, is kind of right in the heart of, you know, the Sika de deer territory in Maryland. Um, there's over uh, 21 thousand acres of wildlife area you know state game lands oh, okay so it's there's a lot of public land um also there is a, a national wildlife refuge the blackwater national wildlife refuge um that offers a like a lottery system to be drawn to hunt on their land for Sika deer um, because the, the National Wildlife Refuge takes a little bit of a different view than the state of Maryland. Um, in they're a little bit more concerned about the population and are trying to reduce it uh, a little bit more heavily than the state of Maryland is. Okay. 
Um, and even if you don't want to do a do-it-yourself hunt, guided hunts are fairly affordable and have very high success rates. So what's you know, the what's the what's the tag co- like? What's the cost involved with this? So in Maryland, uh, in order to hunt deer, you you need to buy an out of you know as a non-resident, you need to buy a non-resident hunting license, which is hundred and thirty dollars. And then if you want to participate in either archery season or muzzleloader season, because for Sika deer, there's a archery season, a muzzleloader season, and a rifle season. Uh, so if you want to participate in the archery season or the muzzleloader season, you have to get an additional $25 stamp for both of those. But then that's your expenses for tax. Oh, Okay. And you're allowed to take, I believe it's one antlered uh, deer and two antlerless. Hmm. So if you and your buddies want to go out there. Now, the, the one drawback is, is these are, are marsh hunts. You know, you are hunting in marshes. So you're probably going to need a boat for access. Um, also hip waders. Right. Okay. You know, this, it's very, very wet land that you're going to be hunting. You know, you're going to be hunting islands of trees amongst marshes. Okay. Um, also by reading on the internet, if you are looking to participate in the earlier hunts, you know, the early archery season, which uh, starts just after Labor Day, um, I believe it's the uh, the weekend after Labor Day is when their archery season, their early archery season for Sika deer starts. Um, you really need some uh, bug control, you know, bug spray, thermosol. Oh, right. The bugs will carry you away. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah. You know, I've I've heard, you know, people talking on the internet and it's like, you know, I, I had no idea. You know, I'm used to hunting in the woods in Iowa or wherever, and by that time or up in Michigan, and by that time the bugs have kind of you know, are being kept at bay by the temperatures. Right. And in these wetlands of Maryland, right on the ocean, it's, the bugs are terrible. Huh. So Um, that's a cool one because it's, you know, it's close enough to drive, right? You know, for an Ohio resident, it's not like you need to figure out how to, fly with your guns or you know that kind of thing you just get in the car and go i mean it's a it's a bit of a hike but not not too bad yeah yeah and uh even if you want to use a guide i saw some guide services all-inclusive guides um that were charging like three to four hundred dollars a day oh wow so that includes like food and stuff yeah yeah you buy your tag you know that's separate 
but yeah, then all all inclusive guide service for three to four hundred dollars a day. Hmm. And the majority of this population is in Dorchester County, Maryland. Um, and another thing that makes this one interesting is you could easily do this hunt like have your family go on vacation to like ocean city maryland and you are you know driving the hour or two to hunt seek a deer while your family's on vacation in ocean city maryland okay you know kind of makes it so you can both have your vacation if you will Right, do yeah, a little can... combo trip. Right, right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought this one was real interesting. And yeah. I, you, you don't hear about people taking advantage of it. I mean, up until very recently, I had no idea that there was a huntable population of Sika deer in Maryland. You know, that yeah. you could hunt Sika deer in the United States without it being on a game preserve, really. Right, yeah. Is there anywhere else that you're aware of that that they have Sika deer? Like, I guess they would be game preserves. That's the only, like, yeah. wild population. Yeah, in the United States, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I believe Sika deer have been introduced to... A lot of wetland, coastal wetland habitats, you know, across the world. Um, so it's not unique globally, really. Right, um, okay. But it's very unique for the United States. Okay. Well, anything else on that one we need to touch on? I I don't believe so. Okay. Uh that the seems other... like a cool one, like you said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cheap, close. You could do a combo trip with your family, and it's kind right. of a unique species. Right, yeah. You know, it's if you're getting tired of, uh, you know, hunting the same species over and over again, you want to add something to your trophy wall or whatever, but don't have the money to do a, you know, an elk hunt or a moose hunt or you know right uh, pronghorn hunts are fairly affordable but still i mean when you're factoring in travel and you know that kind of stuff even this is much more affordable than a pronghorn hunt probably sure also by what i've heard sika deer tastes much better than pronghorn Oh, okay. You know, I've I've never had Sika deer. Um, I believe I've only ever had pronghorn in sausage form, so can't really speak to the flavor of pronghorn either. But uh, it's a cool hunt. And I, by what I hear, I mean, it's easy to do a do-it-yourself hunt and be successful. That's you nice. Know, you can... You can basically take your canoe out into the marsh and 
set up a, a tree stand, you know, and a patch of trees overlooking the marsh and have have a successful hunt. Cool. I know it might seem like it's still a long way away, but fall hunting season isn't that far. And the more we start thinking about that, the more we start thinking about trail cameras and getting deer in front of our trail cameras and getting deer in front of our stands. And a good way to do that is Monster Whitetail Grub. They're an Ohio deer feed company. They've got their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed, which is a high protein feed with mineral mixed in. They've got flavored corn that's like a long range attractant. You know, it performs better than just standard corn. And then they've also got just straight mineral. So whatever you need, they have. It's an Ohio company and deer season's not far away. So check them out, Monster Whitetail Grub. You can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and get in touch with them. Let's get back into the episode. So what's the next one? The other one is uh, for waterfowl hunters or potentially people that are looking to do something once most hunting seasons have ended uh, in Ohio, which is snow goose conservation season. Okay. And snow goose conservation season uh, came out of the necessity to greatly reduce the white goose population, which is snow goose, blue goose, and Ross's goose. Um, These are a tundra nesting species, you know, species of uh, goose. And basically our land use in the United States and Southern Canada has basically created a perfect habitat for these geese um you know lots of food because of our agricultural fields so what they were these geese are doing is they're going back up to their nesting habitat which is in uh the tundras of northern canada and the boreal forests and basically their populations have grown so massive that they're causing real damage to their nesting habitat, which is also shared with a lot of other waterfowl and a lot of other uh, vulnerable species, you know, who live there year round. Okay. So there was this need to greatly reduce uh, the population. So, uh, Basically, the, uh, oh, drawing the blank here. The government? The... Yeah, the government, uh, the National Wildlife. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Drew a blank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, they uh, passed these broad-scale regulations to create this conservation season to greatly reduce the population of these geese and it in the fall the fall hunting season for this geese these geese is a pretty typical hunting season throughout their whole flyway you know the central uh 
United States, you know, the, the Western Midwest, if you will, um, the Dakotas, uh, Kansas, Missouri, you know, you have a pretty typical hunting season with typical bag limits. Then when spring rolls around from like February to the, the end of April, conservation season comes in and basically most of the rules that you would typically associate with waterfowl hunting uh get thrown out the window Um, oh okay there is no daily bag limits there is no possession limits uh there you don't need to plug your shotguns you know you can Put an extended tube on your shotgun if you want. Just let them rip. Let them rip. You can <laughs> uh, use electric calls. You do still need to use the steel shot. But most of the other federally mandated laws for waterfowl hunting uh, have been thrown out the window. So I'm assuming there's no other waterfowl in season during that time so that they can... Sort of regulate that? Yes, yes. I believe basically once all the other waterfowl seasons end, uh, snow goose conservation or white goose conservation season starts. Okay. And it. I guess I should say unregulate that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, in, in most places, uh, you. Do not need to buy a hunting license for the state that you're hunting in. A hunting license from any state will do. Oh, and really? You, and you don't need to buy a federal uh, waterfowl stamp. Really? Yeah. So it's a lot of the normal regulations for waterfowl hunting get thrown out the window. And Snow goose hunting is a very unique uh, opportunity in itself, you know, especially for someone who's used to Ohio goose hunting, you know, Canada goose hunting, um, because usually a big group of birds coming in, big group of geese coming in, you know, might be 10, 15 geese, you know, is seen as a huge group group of geese that you know come into your spread right well when you're snow goose hunting you're talking 50 100 200 birds could be working your spread wow you know and even even larger you know you you could be talking 500 and it's just a tornado of birds you know descending upon your spread right so the the normal fall season is their migration back south for the winter and then this it's you know you said it's like that late winter early spring that says they're heading back north to the the tundra nesting grounds is that how it works yes as it's basically targeting them as they're heading back north okay i believe in canada uh, their conservation season uh, even extends into May. Okay. You know, so as they 
Right, as they work their way back north. Huh. And so these hunts are also fairly affordable. Okay. Uh, you know, I saw hunts in Arkansas, um, all-inclusive hunts in Arkansas for snow goose for uh, 350 bucks. That's 350 bucks a day or 350 bucks a day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I don't believe that includes food, but that includes your lodging and all of your travel. You know, you show up to their lodge and everything, you know, they are taking you everywhere you need to go. Their guy, that's a guided hunt. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're taking you, you everywhere. You still got to pay to get there. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But your travel from the lodge to the field is, you know, they're they're doing that. Um, they're doing the decoys, you know. And uh, I saw another uh, company that was offering, like, you could rent a field, you know, as a rent-a-field service which basically they tell you, you know, like we have this field set up for you. Um, they're putting out all the decoys. They're putting out the blinds. Uh, they're, you're using their caller. Um, no guide, but you can rent a field, the snow goose hunt for a day for a thousand dollars. Okay. And, you know, you can, you divide that up amongst, you know, a couple buddies, that's really affordable. Right, yeah. Um, you know, especially when you're talking groups of geese work, you know, 50, 100 geese working their way in. Right. You know, you could have 10 guys and there would be plenty of shooting opportunities for everybody. Right. And it um, doesn't sound like there's really much in the way of like tag or license expense because you said that you can use most of the time a hunting license from another state is sufficient. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's there's not much in the way of yeah tag or licensing expenses. You know, some states uh, do require you to uh buy like their waterfowl stamp or something like that but okay. a lot of the states uh any a license from any state is good and you don't need to buy a federal or a state stamp and you're good to go so as long as you hunt somewhere in the united states it's basically free when it comes to tag expense so if you didn't want to do guided is there public land opportunities along along that flyway that you could use? There, there's plenty of public land. Um, now, this one, I would probably recommend going with guided, especially if you're someone from Ohio, um, just for the expense of, like, decoys. You know, you're going to have... Typically, it requires, in order to fool snow geese you need a pretty large spread of decoys which snow goose decoys would not be something from ohio you know someone from ohio would typically have right um but there's 
plenty of public land, uh, you know, in this flyway. Because um, basically, snow geese kind of range, you know, their their heavy travel range is all the way from, you know, uh, to the east to Illinois and to the west to the Rocky Mountains, basically. Okay. You know, so, uh, you know, the heart of kind of snow goose hunting would be, you know, your Dakotas, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, you know, kind of that region, which basically you can find any, any public land in that area and, and hunt it potentially. Um, also snow geese are a huge nuisance to farmers. So basically if you can find a field with snow goose in it, um, if you can find the farmer, they'll probably let you hunt it as long as you're, you're picking up your shells and stuff, you know, as long as they haven't had a bad experience in the past or someone doesn't already have that field leased, they'll probably let you hunt it. So any, you know, in your research, did you get any sense of like how crowded this type of thing is? Is there a lot of guys doing this? There, there is a fair amount of people doing this. Um, and it's very hard by what I've read to trick snow geese. Like that's another reason why you kind of want to guide is because they are used to this by now. You know, they, they get hunted from August, basically, you know, maybe not quite August, but September all the way to April. Right. Okay. You know, so they're, they're very, uh, wary birds. Um, so they can be very hard to trick also because they're flying in such large flocks. Uh, they can, there's a lot of eyes to, to bust you. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, that's a good point you brought up with just the decoy expense. Because like you said, it's right. not something you're going to use here. You know, you right. would spend as much in decoys as it would be to pay for a guide. Now, if this is something you were wanting to get into and do every year, then maybe it's worth, you know, investing in the decoys and you haul them out there with you. But if it's just something you're wanting to go out and, and experience and do, you know, for a couple of days or something, then it, it right. sounds like paying a guide might not be a bad option. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... Uh, that renting a field option, I mean, I think that's probably as about as affordable as you can get, you know, because you split that amongst some guys and you have a very affordable hunt and it's a field that, you know, that there's going to be snow geese come to. You know, I don't think you know, they wouldn't be able to keep their business if they were sending guys out there and they weren't getting any geese. Sure. You know, so, and yeah, that kind of takes a lot of the headache out of it if you're traveling from out of state because you also got to think about the space that decoys are going to take up. Yeah. You know, even if you're using just 
you know, socks or silhouettes, um, you know, to put a hundred dozen or 50 dozen, uh, you know, silhouettes in a vehicle can, that's going to take up some room. You know, you might need a trailer really to haul those decoys. So just the space can be difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. That, uh, it definitely sounds like, again, it's another opportunity at something that you can't hunt here. And I mean, I guess that's not to say one might not stray through here on accident. Right. uh, Right. And I mean, snow geese do come to, to Ohio in small numbers, you know, people harvest a few, you know, every year, but it's, it's nothing like what is going on further, further West. Yeah. Do you have any idea, you know, you see like these, uh, South America dove hunts, like these Argentina or something. I would, I mean, just getting there, one is going to be an expense, but are those pretty high dollar things? Do you know? Have you looked into that at all? You know, I've, I have, I've tried to look into this, um, and it's kind of hard to find information on that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, because I've seen, you know, yeah, like uh, Argentina dove hunts and uh, just these hunts kind of around the world, and it's like, well, how, you know. How much does that cost? Like, if I can get there, right? You know, um, because I saw on the internet some guy uh, he was hunting in the in the Czech Republic and just slaughtering. You know, there was like three species of deer, um, and it's like all driven hunts. And, I mean, they're just slaughtering deer. I mean, just piling them up. And it's like, how much does it cost to go on a hunt like that? And I've tried to look, and it's hard to find. Do they have some kind of overpopulation problem, or why are they shooting so many? Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, hunting isn't really popular. You know, it's not it's not seen as a a normal pastime. So I think yeah, basically all the deer species that they have are like introduced deer species that are you know, and I'm I haven't researched it that much, but that are basically just there to be hunted. Okay. So they're they're only getting hunted like these couple weeks out of the year and they're basically doing, yeah, all the harvesting in, you know, like two weeks. Hmm. You know, they don't, they don't have the archery hunters or, you know, traditional weapons hunting seasons. They just kind of have this one, you know, week period or two week period and their their whole goal is just to reduce the population okay 
All right. Well, yeah, I think it's it's hard to find information on hunting in other countries on the internet. Um, I mean, besides like Africa, you know, right, it's, okay. it's easy to find information on like an African safari and it's easy er to find information on, you know, like going to Canada or Mexico. But even when you get outside of that, you know, like, just South America or Central America or, uh, you know, going to, like, maybe some of these more tropical areas, Costa Rica. You know, I've I've looked to see, like, oh, you know, I wonder if you could go on a vacation there and go hunting. And I struggle to find information. Hmm. Might be a business opportunity for someone. There you go. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I listen to Joe Rogan podcast and he talks about these hunts in Hawaii for, uh, what is it? Axis deer. Yeah. I think they have axis deer there and they have some, some goat species that have been introduced. Yeah. And he, I mean, he taught, I don't, I mean, I don't know the specifics of it, just him kind of talking, you know, about like. You know, they're they're way overpopulated. There's basically no closed season. You know, sounds like one of those sort of destination, you know, you're in Hawaii, right? <laughs> so bring the family along on a Hawaiian vacation and do some uh, axis deer hunting while you're there. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's all we had to, to cover on this one, right? Yeah. So, like I said at the beginning, if uh, you all, the listeners, are aware of other hunts like these that are, you know, sort of easily approachable for a guy or gal from Ohio, let us know, and, and we'd be happy to share those with the, with the audience. But if not, I think that's it. So, we'll uh, let you all get back to your week. Make sure you're following and subscribing. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. That way you get notified every time there's a new episode. And follow us on social. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. And we try to keep you all up to date with you know any kind of news that's uh, relevant in Ohio. Obviously new episodes, that sort of thing. You know, any kind of... Uh, legislation or interesting news you know we last week uh we did an episode on the just sort of a news update you know with the new discovery of the blue crayfish and some of those other kind of relevant uh ohio hunting ohio outdoors news topics so all right so as always thank you thank you thank you for listening Thank you for continuing to share the episodes, share them to your social media feed, tag us so that we know you shared it, and that really helps us out. So if you like the content, share it, post about it, tell your friends about it, and that will help us. With that, I'll let you guys get back to your week. Hopefully everybody is remaining safe and healthy through all of this, and... and uh, <laughs> Just keeping your sanity, I guess. And hopefully getting back to work and, and we can kind of start 
getting the uh, the economy back to normal and getting fig- I guess figuring out our our new what our new normal is going to look like. So with that, thanks for listening and we will talk to y'all next week.